Hey, Ashley. Hey, Olivia. Welcome to Drunk of the Book Club. A podcast for lonely junk bookcasters. Cheers. Cheers. Always a loud cheers, and I love it. Yes, it is always a great cheers. A fantastic <laughs> cheers. We're back at it. We are. It's been a while. Life gets in the way. Uh-huh. But we are back at it. We have been reading. We just haven't been podcasting. Right. We haven't been talking about the reading. Yes. But we will now. What did we read? We read My Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferrante. Yes. Elena? Yeah. No. One of those. One of those. One of those. Um, so, yeah. I mean, so many people have read it already. Like, it was very popular. Yeah. And, um, it is part of a trio, right? Like, three books? Yeah, I believe it's three or four. Yeah, four. Quartet. Yeah, the Neapolitan Quartet. Um, but this one is about Elena and Lila, or Lila. Yeah. Who are two... They're friends, but they're also, like, frenemies at different points, too. They have, like, an interesting relationship. Um, But they start out as two young girls who then become teenagers, essentially, growing up in Naples or, like, growing up in this poor neighborhood outside of Naples. And it's about their friendship and it's about, like, their monetary struggles and their neighborhood and their families I don't know. It's about a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did I miss? Nailed it. Um, no, I think that's actually a pretty good summary. I mean, it kind of just follows this neighborhood and group of people growing up in this suburb mm-hmm. kind of through the lens of those two girls, though. Mm-hmm. Like, everything comes back to them. Yeah. Like you said, so many people have read this. And it's come, like, highly recommended by many people. Mm -hmm. And I liked it. There's so many names in this book. (laughs) Thank God for that little, like, at the front, the, yeah, family trees. Yeah. Because that was tough. I was flipping back and forth a lot. And so many people are related to each other. Right. And then they're, like, dating somebody else's sister or brother. Right. That was really confusing to me at times, so I was, like, flipping back there all the time. Yes. And then they all had, like, their names changed a lot throughout the book, so sometimes they'd refer to them by, like, the last name. Oh, yeah. Name, sometimes it'd be, like, by their profession. Sometimes, like, Elena, Elena has, like, four different names. Yeah. Lila has two different names. Oh, yeah, because the only person who calls her Lila is Elena. Yeah. <laughs> So, that was a little bit tough. And it was also, for some reason, I feel like everyone who's recommended this book to me Mm -hmm. has just said, like, just read it. Uh And not really explained it at all to me, except for that it's about two friends. Yeah. So, I didn't really know what to expect at all. Yeah. Um, It's a lot darker. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess this is why it's part of... A longer collection but like from the first page to reading it through I mm-hmm. didn't expect the last page oh that makes sense yeah yeah I, I mean it's part of a series so that 
when it ended and I was like, that's the fucking end. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess there are other books. But I was also like, damn, I just went through 330 pages and that's where you leave me? <laughs> right. I also, for some reason, I was under the impression that she wrote this one mm-hmm. and published it before she had the idea to make it a series. Oh, I see. And I might have made that up in my head, but that's why also when I got to the end, I was like, uh, mm-hmm. we're ending here? <laughs> yeah. Um, because I feel like that first section just never gets talked about again. Right. I guess it's fine. Yeah. Or the prologue, I guess it is. Yeah, the prologue. But no, it never comes back to it, and it's confusing. It's very confusing. Because, okay, there's one thing about a series where, like, it's anthologized, or it's, like, smushed together into, like, a giant version, and then you, like, read through, and it's, like, book one, book two, but it's all in the same, like, physical novel. Right. Because the stories were so intertwined. Like, why, I wish they would do that with this, because it seems like maybe the story is such a long narrative that, yeah, reading this first one all by itself is like, huh? Yeah. Because I haven't, I haven't followed up and read the others. Have you? I haven't, no. So I have no closure on it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I guess that's how they get to it because now I'm kind of like, well. I know. I guess I want to know what happens. Like, why did she disappear? I know. So, like, why, like, the last page, just like, <laughs> for so many reasons, I, like, read the last page paragraph and just said what i know (laughs) i don't understand why stefano gave the shoes to marcello i don't know like a power thing i don't get it i didn't get why a lot of the characters did the things they did to be honest either i spent a lot of it being like wait why or for real (laughs) yeah and like i get that like, there was one part, I, again, we always say this, did not mark as much as I should have. Right. But there was something in there when she's talking about, like, how a lot of people died mm-hmm. in her life and how, what did she say? Like, you know, you could die from this, you could die from that, you could die from falling. You could also die from, I think the one that stood out to me was, like, from being overheated and drinking cold water without rinsing your wrists first. Mm. So I think that that to me laid out that there's a lot of superstition in this town. Right. Really. And there's like a lot of people do things because like that's the way it's supposed to happen. Right. You know? Yes. And so I kind of just let myself give in to that when there were situations where I was like, wait, why is this happening? Like, why did they do that? Right. Oh, because it's this town that is surprisingly, or I don't know, surprisingly, very old-fashioned, and you just, that's the way the world works. Totally. And it definitely, like, that's highlighted again and again with, like, all of the sexism and the gender stereotypes and, like, all of the violence, and that's totally highlighted throughout that this yeah. is kind of like, these are unquestioned values. And, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's interesting that 
Elena and Lila or Lila. I don't know how to say their names. I don't know how you'd pronounce it in Italian, but whatever. I'll just call them Elena and Lila. Um, both in their own ways are very transgressive because Elena goes so much further in her education than like any of the other, let alone girls, any of the other people from town. And then Lila, although she is like demonstrably smarter than Elena and like could have gone even further in her own education, she like recognizes early on that like the bounds around her aren't going to allow her to do that. And so she is like, in some ways tries to like subvert those expectations and use them to her own benefit in almost like she's working so very purposefully within the systems that exist that she uses them to her own benefit. Yeah. So that's true. They are interesting because they both kind of illustrate like two ways to respond to a lot of those unquestioned like norms. Right. They also both are sort of like untrustworthy in their like memories or their stories. Like I think Elena, whatever says, um, she says several times, like, I don't trust myself to tell this accurately now, Mm -hmm. but like generally this is what was happening. Right. And like one of those situations that stood out to me was when the dad, when Lila's dad throws her out the window. Oh, yeah. And it was like, okay, I'm not doubting that there's violence that was happening, but, like, she, he threw her out the window like a thing. Like, is that reality, or is that, like, an exaggeration of the violence that was happening? Because that's, like, very extreme and be shocking if someone survived that. Well, you and, know? Yeah, and also, I mean, they she starts off the story, like, telling the story of the doll and... Um, the, what's his name? The gangster. What's his name? Uh, Don Achille. Achille. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I know it's not ridiculous saying these names, yeah. but she starts off like essentially telling a story in which she is proving that she's an unreliable narrator and then proceeds to tell this rest of the story in her own voice, essentially like calling into question her reliability at the very beginning and then continuing throughout with us like having that in the back of our mind. Like this is her child viewpoint. This has been many years in the past, etc. Totally. Well, and then there's even the point too, I don't honestly remember the family lines, but yeah, someone's, dad supposedly kills Don Achille or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I think that Lila makes up the story where it'd be, like, romantic if the child of the victim falls in love with the child of the murderer or whatever. Right. And she says something that was, like, I might have flagged that page, actually, that was, like, I guess I gave her a fantasy that she had to follow or something like that. Right. Like, she was calling out her own ability to make up these stories that were so wonderful that people became attached to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, everything was just, like, a little bit untrustworthy, Mm -hmm. and, yeah, I don't know. I also had a hard time at the beginning, like, getting into the, like, flow of the narration. 
it wasn't until maybe halfway through that I was like actually turning pages and wanting to read. Um, cause at first I spent like so much time just trying to get my bearings. Yeah. And I don't know if it was the characters or kind of like you pointed out how we go from that prologue to like whoop way back in time. Um, it's not clear where that connection is at first. I kept on expecting it to jump back into a more present time frame. Um, and so I had a hard time following not just like, is this narrator reliable, but also like, where's this narrative going? Totally agree. Yeah, because very similar for me. I've, again, heard from a lot of people like, oh, it's just such a page turner. I sat and read through in an hour. And I was trying so hard to figure out what was happening in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it was probably about halfway through. Yeah. It all started flowing a little bit more. Yeah. Did um, the, the people who suggested it to you, did they read the whole series or just this first book? Do you know? Some did, and a couple read only the first. Huh. Interesting. This book first became recommended to me. When was this? When I was working in Berkeley. Oh, wow. This came out in 2012, or at least this version came out in 2012. Yeah. Wow. So I working in Berkeley, and I remember someone recommended it, and he was like, I didn't think it would be my type of book, but I fell in love, and I'm going to read the rest of them. Dang. And I had forgotten about it mm-hmm. until like years later. I remember there was like a period of time where a bunch of people were reading it. But I didn't really clue in that much. And I will be perfectly honest. It's because I judged the book by its cover. My cover. Same. Looking at this, I was like, I'm good. I don't know that that's a book I want to read. Just because it kind of looks like, I don't know. It looks like the kind of thing that you grab on an airplane because somebody left it on a chair next to you. Totally. You know? Yes. I Okay, because I also don't like... I'm not into, like, super historical stuff. Like, I don't like things from, like, Victorian era. Uh Uh-huh. I'm just not into it. And this looks like their dresses look like all Victorian era. Oh. And so, again, I picked it up and I was like, oh, can't do it. I also don't really know how this cover relates to, like, what actually happens in the book. Yeah, I have no idea. Like... Are they supposed to be the little girls? Is the bride supposed to be Lila? Like, I don't understand. So, she says that Lila's taller than... What's his name? Um, no. Stefano. And this girl is not taller. No. And then I was like, well, maybe it's a metaphor, and it's like the girls, their, like, expectation, and blah, blah, blah. But still, I don't know. It's a weird choice for a cover. <laughs> Very strange. I wonder what the Italian cover looks like. Oh, here's a different cover for my brilliant friends that looks like a much better fitting cover. Can you see? Oh, yeah. But apparently The Atlantic has this article called The Genius of Making Elena Ferrante's Bad Book Covers. So apparently it's something that people have thought about and written about. (laughs) Okay, interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think of... Elena and Lila's friendship. I think it's really interesting. It, like, there's, like, so much competition that it's kind of exhausting. And, like, it's interesting only hearing from one side, one viewpoint, 
And that I guess that brings in the question of the unreliability of the narrator again, because Elena spends so much time like imagining and supposing what Lila must be thinking and like why her actions right. must be the way they are. That I think it's really interesting, but it's also kind of exhausting. And the it I also think it's a good example of kind of like some of that like girl friendship obsession that can happen and that competition that can happen that I think a lot of people experience like in childhood and early adolescence. Um, But I also like, sometimes I think I wrote in the margins, I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) Like there were times when I was just really frustrated that Elena was unable to recognize like that a lot of Lila's responses to her were coming from a place of like, recognizing that Elena was getting all the things that she wished that she had. And yet Elena was spending all of this time, like feeling like she wasn't good enough and that Lila was still judging her. And I don't know. It was just like, sometimes it was just exhausting. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) It was very exhausting and not, and, but there was part of it that almost seemed like, confused love to me too yeah totally totally I definitely saw that too yeah and Elena gets like super jealous Mm -hmm. over all the attention that um Lila gets and like yes Elena thinks that she's become ugly Mm -hmm. like as she's gone through puberty but there's a lot of attention put onto Lila's body and Mm -hmm. the attention that she's getting she seems to get like jealous when Lila says that she doesn't want the marriage thing she doesn't want a boyfriend Mm -hmm. and she ends up becoming engaged and Elena is left without it right but that jealousy and all that attention doesn't just seem like competition to me Mm mm-hmm it seems like something more I feel like there's kind of like that blurring of the line between like a romantic obsession and a platonic obsession, like a friendship-focused yeah. obsession. I think there is a lot of blurring of that. And I think it's almost like she, when she's recalling herself as a younger child, she uh-huh. describes her feelings about Lila in more, I think, overtly, almost romantic ways. Uh-huh. And then later, as they get older, I think her descriptions become more like descriptions of a competition but then there is that scene in the in when she's helping to like prepare her for the wedding yeah where she's like contemplating lila's body and she's like sort of comparing herself but also sort of just like enjoying the beauty of lila's body yeah when she's taking that bath i remember being like huh interesting moment right and i mean i don't know i guess in the in the younger sections when she's, it does seem more like love. I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. When you're a young child, you don't really know the differences between right. platonic love and romantic love. It's all just friendship and learning and loving. Mm-hmm. So especially if she's like an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. and she's looking back on something that happened years and years and years ago, it makes sense that that would all kind of be blurry. Right. Um, but I don't know. For some reason, yeah, that, that kept standing out to me. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. Oh, yeah. She says that she, like... Oh, I had a confusion of... Fe- this is page 313. I had a confusion of feelings and thoughts. Embrace her, weep with her, kiss her, pull her hair, laugh, pretend a sexual experience, and instruct her in a learned voice, distancing her with words just at that moment of great closeness. But in the end, there was only the hostile thought that I was washing her from her hair to the soles of her feet early in the morning, just so that Stefano could sully her in the course of the night. I imagined her naked as she was in the moment, entwined with her husband in the bed in the new house. Um, oh yeah, while the train clattered under their windows, and his violent flesh entered her with a sharp blow, like the cork pushed by the palm into the neck of a wine bottle, which is like, ugh. Um, yeah. And so then her immediately thought is that the only thing that would make that she says the only remedy against the pain I was feeling. Um, was to find a corner secluded enough so that Antonio could do to me at the same time the exact same thing. So it's like, again, that like crazy blurring where she's like feeling this like confused potential attraction to her, but also like this insane jealousy and it's like overwhelming her. Right. Yeah, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. As we're talking about all this, I want to read the next book. I know. I'm probably... This is always what happens when we have our conversations. Like, I'll finish a book and I'll be like, huh, that was a good book. But then we'll talk about it and I'll be like, damn, I need to go reread it. Or like, damn, I need to go see the next, or read the next one. Yeah, I feel the same way. I was such just like, oh yeah, all right. <laughs> but now I need to know what happens. I know. And now well, that you remind me of the prologue, like, I need to find out what's going on with Rhino or Reno, the sun. Right. And what happens in the interim oh, years? Oh. <laughs> Reno. <laughs> Their names are hard. <laughs> I don't know. Did you freeze again? No. I'm oh, okay. <laughs> it wasn't she, shit. So she names her son the same name as her brother? Yes. 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 Oh, right. Duh. <laughs> yes, she does. I think I literally had this question... While reading it. And then I looked here and I was like, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and then I just got confused again. Yes, she did. Which, maybe that means he, like, died. I don't know. That seems like... You're just... To have a namesake, you don't have to be dead, but... Yeah. They were also really close for a while. Yeah, they were super close. I mean, he, like, kind of protects her at many points. And he tries to stand up for her and it's like desperate to get her the money she needs to get her education but that doesn't end up working out right also lila's like a badass yeah yeah the yeah she is God. a badass yeah that's so yeah i don't know she it i don't know if i should i don't know if not if i should but i don't know if i feel bummed i mean i kind of do feel bummed out that she ends up getting married at the end but I know that, like, she has her purposes for getting married, but it also bums me out that, like, in order to, you know, basically support her family, she has to marry him. But then at the same time, he's supposedly a better choice, like, more understanding. But I don't know. She's, like, such a badass that it bums me out that she ends up, like, at what, 19, 18? I think they're, like, 16. 16, yeah. I lose track of how old they are. Marrying right. him and, like, potentially starting, you know, that, the cycle yeah. over again. Yeah. Well, there's, 
there's so many things now that I need to find out. Like, just what is this whole thing about dissolving margins? Oh, I know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So she's like this really intelligent girl who is intelligent outside of, like, a classic education. Yeah. And has all these dreams and ideas. Also, like, doesn't settle for anything. Mm -hmm. It seems like with her, like, pulling out the knife, wanting Mm -hmm. to do the shoe thing, pushing Mm -hmm. for that, um, studying these languages on her own. Um, She, like, lets that one guy kind of, like, keep her over for dinner, who... Oh, yeah. Take her hand in marriage, but then, like, drops it all for Stefano. Yeah. So, like, she seems to have control over everything to some degree. Right. And then she has these, like... Oh, shoot, I keep reading. What is it called? Disappearing margin? Dissolving margin? Dissolving, yeah. Like, what... What is that? I don't know. Like, there was one point where she had, like, described it to Elena or had, like, or maybe Elena had just, I lose track of when Elena, like, just infers, I guess. But there was, like, this description of where she was, like, staring at her brother, Reno, Rhino. (laughs) None of those sound good. Um, And they were at the party, I think, maybe the firework party. I think the firework party. And she, like, had that moment of dissolving margins, and she, like, just saw, like, the fakeness of everybody, and she, like, saw them as if without their skin or something crazy like that. And that totally reminded me of, like, when people who have spoken with who have, like, experienced negative reactions when smoking weed, who have talked about, like, smoking and then it increasing social anxiety to the point where they feel like they, like, the masks are off and they see, like, the dirty reality behind, like, what's really going on. And that, like, reading that description, I was like, damn, that's, like, that sounds very similar. Like, I'm not saying that she's experiencing social anxiety, but it's like she's seeing some unmasking of some kind. Yeah, but then I think she also talks about how she experiences it as well, or something similar, when her dad throws her out the window, mm-hmm. and she imagined all these little animals coming up oh, and, yeah. like, softening the ground around her. I forgot about that one, yeah. I'm just confused. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And then I was, like, I was wondering, like, what is... The original translation. Like, I wonder if dissolving... If there's another way... I'm not, like, questioning the translation, but I'm also curious if there's, like, something lost in translation that, like, we would know if we read, like, the original version. Or if it would, like... If there was a term or concept that would, like, maybe culturally we would understand. Or if it's just an older woman recalling what two children were saying was happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... They probably didn't know what was happening at the time. Right. I don't know. No. It's fascinating. Ugh, now I really do want to go out and get the second book. I know. I think I'm going to. Damn it. And there are so many, like, secrets and half-truths and, like, for instance, the whole, um, the whole situation with, 
Oh, God, what's his name? Um, the Conductor, the Saratori, Donato Saratori, and Melina, the uh-huh. Widow. Right, yes. And the whole, like, she's crazy. She's just so crazy. She's, like, just falling for him, throwing herself at him. She's so crazy. And then, like, it turns out, like, yes, he totally was leading her on and had a relationship with her. And, yes, he's totally a fucking nasty old creepy, like, sexual assaulter. Um, So all of these, like, I don't know. I wrote some note, the idea that the loss of memory helps them survive in many ways. And I don't remember why I wrote that. Um, wow. Okay, wait. It's page 163. She's talking about, okay, Marcelo was trying to date Lila. And it's all about how the families have all this history. And so um, Elena says, like, her father pretended that there had been nothing before. Her mother did the same. My mother, my father, even Reno. And yet Stefano's grocery store before had been the carpenter shop of Alfredo Peluso, Pascal's father. And yet Donna Chile's money had been made before, and the Solara's money as well. She had tested this out on her father and mother. So this ar- this argument that, like, we shouldn't be in a feud with them anymore. It all happened before. Yeah. Um, and then she said they uh-huh. didn't... What? I was just saying, they didn't know anything, they wouldn't talk about anything, not fascism, not the king, etc., etc., um, and they thought that what had happened before was past, and in order to live quietly, they placed a stone on top of it, and so, without knowing it, they continued it, and they were immersed in the things of before, and we kept them inside us, too. This, like, idea of, like, never addressing anything, and then by not addressing it and, like, covering it up with silence to survive, you end up, like, recreating it again and again and again. And I feel like that part was super important, and I was like, ah, this must, this seems really important, and I didn't really, like, go back and synthesize that with the rest of the novel, but I remember reading it and being like, oh, okay, this seems like an important point. (laughs) Yeah, I actually have that same page flagged. Because the idea of before comes up so much. Yeah. And they talk about it in the beginning as like, um, we were young kids, we were afraid of, we didn't know about any before or after or tomorrow or yesterday, we just knew right now. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, yes, now. And then it comes in where I think one of them is like, oh, he was talking about before. And then before comes up and when they're like a little bit older. Mm-hmm. I comprehend it. And I think, I thought I found it towards the end. I thought they mentioned it like one more time towards the end. But that almost seems like the most concrete thing mm-hmm. in this whole story. Yes. And I just like flipped back through and realized that like it starts with the prologue. And then we have like 50 pages of childhood, the story of Donna Chile, and then the entire rest of the book is adolescence, the story of the shoes. Right. Such a weird way that this is broken up. (laughs) Like, it really seems like this should not be the end of the story yet. Yeah, no, you're right. It's very weird. Yeah. And that's why I feel like I have to read. Continue it. Yeah. (sighs) Same. Well... I'll be interested to see if before it comes up again. Yeah, exactly. Well, any final thoughts? Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to 
final thoughts are that my final thoughts now are different than what they were before we started recording. Yeah, totally. Actually, uh, same. Now I need to read the rest. Yeah. I'm like, what in the world is happening? Yeah, I did. I kind of felt like before we started talking, I was like, well, I didn't totally get this book. I enjoyed the process of reading it. Check that box off. But now I'm like, I want to go figure out what the rest of the story is. Totally. Maybe we can, like, intermittently bring, like, the second one will be our episode in, like, a couple times. Yeah, that's a good idea. We'll come back to this. So we can read it in the meantime. Well, what's our actual next book? Actual next book, which is American Marriage. Yes. An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. I found it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we'll read next. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Any other last thoughts on anything? Um, it's good to be talking about books again. Yes. <laughs> Let's get reading. <laughs> Sweet. Perfect. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.